Hello and welcome along to episode 22 of a Thai football podcast with me, Dale Farrington. And me, Rob Bernard. Recording this straight after the final whistle from tonight's 3-1 win in Singapore and ending on a high, aren't we really, considering the week we've just had. There's been a lot of activity on social media, a lot of activity in the press, a lot of speculation about Mano's future. So shall we start by rewinding to the start of it all, which was the home game against China last Thursday? I think that's a good idea. We've got Clive Naginton, who was at the game, and he sent us this match report. Tied to the podcast. Match reports. So here we are, 40,000 strong at the Ranjimakala Stadium. Thailand opened their World Cup qualifying campaign against China, who opted for a, a luminous green strip for some reason. It's a raucous atmosphere in the Ranjimakala this evening. China's front line held by Supanat, who looks to have seriously bulked up and to lead the front line with his muscle uh, for Thailand this evening. He's supported by the skillful Chanatit. Uh, it, it's an important match this for Thailand. The Thai public in the stadium tonight, they're, they're really expectant. Uh, a result for Thailand in this opening match means that they've basically got a free pass against Korea and it's what they do at home to Singapore and away to China to try and get out of this group. We're, we're just two minutes into the, the game right now and Thailand looking really lively, spreading the ball out to the flanks, looking for openings in the middle. It's Thailand's match to win it. Uh, we hope for the best for the chance of lively atmosphere here. Back at half-time with more, but the tackle's flying in, as I report here. Trying to tip on the ball now. Supanat calming it down, knocking it back to the midfield. But China looked really well set up at the back. Strong back four. Midfield knocking it about nicely. Open game. First two minutes gone. Thailand nil. China nil. Half-time at the Ranjimankalar. It's Thailand 1, China 1. China largely been in the ascendancy for the majority of the first half. Wei's had several chances and the number three at the back for China looks like he should be playing in the NBA and not in a World Cup qualifier. He's a massive aerial threat and it's quite ironic that China really should have taken the lead from a corner that actually led to Thailand's opening goal. Uh, a breakaway from China Tib. It looked like the ball had uh, fallen in favour of the Chinese defence but they couldn't clear their lines. The ball fell to Varun from about 25 yards out and he let rip right into the top right hand corner to send the Ranja Makala into absolute raptures probably the best goal I've ever seen at the Ranja Makala in my 20 years of following the Thai national team Thailand then were in the ascendancy for around five minutes until a break on the left hand side led to Wei actually equalising for China at the expense of his own crown jewels but they won't be arguing uh, with, with the result going into half time Thailand could have taken the lead towards the end of the first half uh, but some poor finishing really. Lean's score remains level at half time in this opening World Cup qualifier at the Rancho Makala. It's Thailand 1, China 1. A big half time team talk for Mano Pokaling as Thailand desperately need to get off onto the right footing on this World Cup qualifying group. Heavens above for Thailand at the full-time whistle. Uh, Thailand won, China two, and really, honestly, uh, an absolutely appalling 
defensive display midway through the second half led to China's uh, second goal debatable offside a lot of huff and puff from Thailand in the second half but really no end product not quite sure really where uh, the Thai national team goes from here other than to knock down Ranjan Magala and build a new one so uh, everyone doesn't get drenched watching that absolute turgid display in the second half so yeah uh, not the result that Thailand wanted up next trips to Korea Singapore at home where they might pick up a win but getting out of this group now Thailand have made it really 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 difficult for themselves final score Ranger Makala Thailand 1 China 2 yeah cheers for that Clive I can see why you were annoyed at that game and it wasn't quite as dark as I think you put across but I know what you mean we kind of built it up I mean we we certainly did on this programme and I predicted a 2-1 win on last week's show and obviously losing and especially losing the way that we did knocked the wind out of our sails a little bit so you can understand the doom and gloom surrounding it to a large extent can't you I'll be honest I went for a diplomatic 1-1 and I was being diplomatic I could see the worst China are a good team Ah, let's not be too harsh on, on Thailand. Anyway, we've got now, this This is quite an interesting angle because Toby Knight, who's been on the show a couple of times before, was actually in with the China fans last Thursday. So he had a very different perspective on things. And me and Toby had this chat a couple of days after the game where obviously we discussed the match, we discussed his experiences at the stadium. And also this led on to other discussions as well surrounding the whole Thailand national team, Mano's position, the FA, who's running the team, who's making the decisions, etc. So this is me and Toby, a couple of days after Thailand lost to China. Sit back and enjoy what we had to say. A Thai Football Podcast interview. It's my pleasure to welcome back Toby Knight. Hi, Toby. How are you? Hey, Dan. I'm great. Thanks for having me back. How's things with you? Very good. Thanks. Yeah, we're speaking in slightly different circumstances to the last time we chatted, yeah. but it's great to speak again. Yeah, likewise. After the first interview, the feedback was uh, a bit mixed, but on the whole, on the whole, positive. So yeah, let, let's see how it goes this time. We had very good feedback. You you proved <laughs> very very popular with our listeners. But, uh, that's nice to hear. Uh, some some of the the Madam Pang stuff. Uh, I was accused of having splinters in my rear a little bit, but I I, I feel the conversation might veer back onto her the, uh, in in the next few minutes as well. So uh, yeah, let's see how things pan out. It's very possible because. As we all know, she's heavily involved with the national team as well, which is yeah. why you've come on to chat this week. Yeah. So you were at the Rajamangala last night for the Thailand yeah. versus China World Cup qualifier, but you were in with the Chinese fans, is that right? Yep, that's correct. My wife is Chinese and, and also a, a bit of a football fan as well. So when we saw that China were, were in town, it was an opportunity we really couldn't miss. Just to kick off before we talk about the football, you know, the China end was sold out in advance, which I was shocked, especially when I went to go and pick up the tickets and told I couldn't get any. But it was an unbelievably easy blag to get into the away end. The staff at Rajamangala, frankly, don't have a clue what's going on. And all we had to do was say we're cheering China at, at the away gate and they, they let us in, uh, which was quite incredible. So, yeah, that's how we ended up in the away. And we thought we were going to be sitting with the home fans and being a little bit quiet. But, yeah, we ended up in the, the away end. And, and and it was a great evening for, for the Chinese team. They, they executed the game plan they came with and they, you know, they got out of town with uh, all three points. What were your thoughts on Thailand? 
my thoughts were just just a lot of wasted opportunities up front. I mean, they went ahead. <laughs> I actually didn't see the first goal. I, I was sent to get a water uh, <laughs> for my wife. But what I did see in the first half was intelligent passing, but around the edge of the box. And even when the ball went into box, too, too many, you know, little cheeky flicks, little turns and twists where just laying the ball off or just, you know, hitting the ball as hard as possible would have been the better option. I thought Chanatip and Superchok were especially wasteful. But overall, it, it was just a waste of, of talent, really, especially after they fought so hard against Estonia. You know, they went to Europe, got got absolutely battered by Georgia, then then really kind of showed some metal and character to get that draw against Estonia. And then they bring in the superstars for the, for the you know, the better players for, the, for this team. And they were, they were pretty ineffective, I would say. So what, what do you think the reason for this was? Do you think it was the tactics or do you think it was the down to the individual players themselves? I think it's a mixture. I think I think Mano's tactics were wrong. And there was also a lack of urgency in the second half when really Thailand needed to assert themselves and dominate. And I feel like they did have the players out there to dominate. They just didn't do anything effective. They showed no urgency, especially when they went 2-1 down. There was a lot of passing around the back. Now, I know punting the ball up or gambling with the ball forward might might not be what Mano expects. Maybe he wants a bit more control, a bit more possession. But you're 2-1 down. You've got 15, 20 minutes left. You need the ball to go forward. You don't need to be passing the ball you know, side to side, waiting for that opportunity. Individually, I feel that some of the players maybe just aren't good enough. I think the fullbacks were especially poor. And to be honest, most of the success that China got in, in both halves was just running between the fullback and, and the centre-back and, and splitting them. Also, don't forget, Dale, you know, they lost Panzer in the game and Beer had to come on. I do think Panzer is, is a very solid centre-back. So that was a blow. But if you consider the, the individual talent on the team, yeah, you, you should be asking a few questions about certain people today. I'm going to throw the C word in now because what you said chimes with my observations over the, the time I've been watching time football. Do you think it's a cultural thing? Even at the level that I played at, which obviously is nowhere near the international level, but when we used to play against Thai teams... We found it quite easy to play against them for exactly the reasons you've just stated. Nobody seemed mm. to want to take on the responsibility. They were quite happy passing the ball around. You know, they'd show off the little flicks and all the nice touches. But when it mm. came to the final third, they, they didn't have that that desire and that urgency and that ruthlessness. Do you think that could be the, the issue with the national team? I mean, even if you mm. look at the leagues, the top scorers every season tend to be the foreign strikers? It's an interesting question. I mean, the the, the, the thought that comes into my head immediately when, you, you know, you said the C word or isn't actually on the pitch. I, I think the decision to make both Chanatip and Tiraton captains, I think, shows a very kind of like Thai cultural moment there that they didn't want to split one say one is one's above the other. If there's two captains, it, it doesn't set a good precedent. Arguably, you know, some of the players that came in last night who weren't involved with the European tour, obviously they feel like they're there because they're the better player. But did they deliver? No, not at all. Uh, and I, I mean, that's not, you know, not a question to argue. I wasn't really impressed with any single Thai player out there. So culture, maybe. Coaching, definitely. You know, individually, 
who who knows i mean you're, you're right they're the product of, of their society and culture so maybe these people have been put on a pedestal for their sporting prowess and think that they can just go out there and it will automatically guarantee them three points but we i mean you and me both know that complacency will always bite you on the ass in competitive sport i think it's a it's like a perfect storm of the all three of those really the two captains thing is very interesting, isn't it? I mean, you, yeah. you're absolutely yeah. spot on with with what you're saying there. Now, we we did mention her at the start of this chat, so that that seemed to be a Madame Pang initiative. <laughs> I have no idea what what Mano's thoughts are on that at all. I can guess. I can guess it's not Mano's decision. Did you see the photograph that was doing the rounds earlier this week, where the whole squad were in a semicircle and Madame Pang was? It looked. To all intents and purposes, she was sort of lecturing them. It's always difficult to to judge from a, a still photograph because you you know you don't know what went on before and what <laughs> went on after. But Mano's body language in that photograph didn't look that great. He Del- looked slightly uncomfortable and embarrassed. This now, is you- incredible because I was going to bring up this photograph in our interview. I actually I've, I've just seen that photograph about 30, 40 minutes ago, and and I think it encapsulates everything that is. Is wrong with Thai football. It really does speak volumes, that photo. And it's incredible that, you know, I saw it on Carlisle's Twitter feed and I actually copied it and I sent it to some of the guys in one of my Thai football groups because I, I actually said that this is why you'll never qualify for the World Cup. And as much as we spent my last interview talking about Ad- Madam Pang, you know, she does warrant a mention here because you're you're right she she feels like she has overall control and that the the body language in that picture mano's head is down none of the players are looking up it's school headmistress lecturing the students of course you know a photograph is just a frame but we we know the background we know the culture we know who she is we know how thai society works so you know i i I think it does sum up the problem really another interesting thing is you know yesterday when she announced the bonuses Playing for your national team should be a moment of pride and, and a pleasure to represent your, your country. Do we ever have anyone from European FAs uh, announcing bonuses in, in advance? No, we, we don't. And I, I feel that, you know, once again, she's hogged the spotlight here by announcing this bonus structure a few hours in advance of the game. We should be focusing on on the players. We should be focusing on the, the positive energy that, that, you know, there's been a good build up to this game. And a lot of people have been hopeful that Thailand could get a result here. But then, you know, it, it kind of gets torpedoed by, oh, Madam Pang, so, so benevolent. You know, she's throwing her money about. And, and do you know how much bonus they're, they're taking home after last night? Zero. You know, they, they, they screwed it up. So no bonuses. I feel like it had a detrimental effect more than anything positive. You should be playing for pride out there, not, not for the bonus. I will say in her defence, this has happened before. This, this is not unique. I've seen people in the, the Thai FA doing it in the past. I've seen club owners doing it in the past. So it's, it's not unusual in that respect. But you're right. These are things that stand in the way, aren't they? I'm feeling extremely positive going into this game. I, I predicted a 2-1 win for Thailand. And I think on the back of the the Estonia game and all the top players coming back in, I was I was thinking, yeah, we've got that momentum. It's a good time, good a time as any now to play China, and they'll have a crowd behind them. And mm. the whole thing just felt like a damp squib. Yeah, I I think you know everyone had these high expectations, and no one thought about the the hard work that needs to go into it. It was a great crowd and a great atmosphere. 
uh, at the stadium. I mean, it, it wasn't full, but the fans showed up. And uh, yeah, I, if, if I was a Thai fan, I, I would be feeling disappointed. And, and, you know, I kind of am a little bit of a Thai fan as much as I, I, I was there cheering on China because, I, you know, I would love the, I would love Thailand to be successful. As a nation, they adore football. And sometimes maybe you could argue that the fans deserve a little bit better than, than the people in charge because Mano, Mano's a good coach and I'm not going to say he's the best coach in the world obviously but but you know I, I felt like Mano was getting a tune uh, out of the team in the Asian Cup they were unlucky in the King's Cup they came back from that heavy defeat in Georgia and and put in and I watched the Estonia game and and they really those those players put up a fight you know everyone should be rightly proud there but last night it just didn't really come together. But the thing I think I think we're dwelling a bit on on Thailand here, and you know you got to say that the Chinese, it was like we said earlier, they came with a game plan. They were especially cautious. They knew the areas to attack in in the Thai defence and how to get the ball through their midfield. And the winner, you know, the fullback, the defender who came across, obviously uh, should should have dealt with it better. But uh, you know, China managed to break and and create enough chaos and confusion to nick the winner. Credit to them as much as we, we you know, disappointment, uh, the feeling of disappointment for all Thai fans today, you know. What was the atmosphere like in the China end? The atmosphere was great. They had uh, a few kind of ultra leaders with megaphones. It was sold out, very positive. You know, at half time, uh, a guy threw me a fan shirt and told me to put it on, didn't ask for money or anything like that. So, you know, very inclusive. I am the only foreigner there, and a lot of people asking my wife questions. My, my Mandarin is a, a very limited so a lot of people wanted to know uh why i was there but they were all very friendly and welcoming once they understood uh why, why i was there it, it, it was good fun i i enjoyed it very much you could feel the pride i mean i mean i've I visited china and I, you know i know a bit about the country obviously i know you know they're, they're very nationalistic you know they were they were singing singing songs they got chants as well they even got into a bit, bit of verbal handbags with the ultras uh, on one side of the stand as well uh, there were a few few plastic cups and bottles went flying after China got, got the winner but uh, all, all in all very positive very friendly very inclusive I, I want to stress that as well I, I, I definitely didn't feel like uh, I, I was on the periphery uh, standing with them you know we, we, we made friends with people you know a lot of them have just travelled they're not here just for holidays a lot of them have travelled specifically for the game so there is a contingent of Chinese football fans who go abroad and, and, and enjoy the games it's universal you know what, what draws us to, to football matches and, and and into the culture. The chants are in Mandarin, but they're pretty much similar. I I, I could replace uh, Zhongguo, which is Mandarin for China, with England, and, and the chants are pr pretty much similar, uh, uh, really. It's great to see that there is this kind of culture in China that a lot of lot of the fans who are not wearing China shirts were wearing European shirts I saw Bayern Manchester United Arsenal Real Madrid so you know they're, they're knowledgeable and I was chatting to a guy next to me he spoke English and he lived in Birmingham and Newcastle and wanted to talk to me about football so so it's the same as in uh, maybe not as intense and 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 as widespread as as the following of football in in Thailand but but it exists over over there and it, it was great talking to them hanging out with them everyone was super friendly oh it's fantastic it's no it sounds like you had a great time I'm, I'm quite envious to be honest just before we finish thailand where do we go from here can we still qualify Ooh, uphill very uphill struggle from now on this was the game that you know i'm sure was earmarked by mano and his team as the you know definite need to win 
to prove that that they're moving up to the next level and they came up short. I can't see them getting any change out of South Korea, both home and away. Singapore, who are else in the group, I, I, I know very little about them. Maybe there's there's an opportunity for points there. I think they're going to have to nick a win in China, and maybe even a miracle at home to South Korea. But it's a slim chance. L- let's get behind them, Dale. You know, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm after after last night. I'll, I'll put my Thailand shirt back on and and cheer them on. But it's gonna be uphill, and if I'm realistic, I don't think they'll do it. But but miracles can happen sometimes. So so let's get behind them. It's just the first game of the qualifier, so there's plenty more to play. Let's just see what happens. Let's hope that Mano uh, learns from this, and because I don't think Madam Pang will learn from it at all. And and hopefully the players will understand what's needed moving forward because they can't put. In another performance like that they'll lose every game if they play like that or, or just only nick draws they need to find uh, a spark they need to maybe adjust some tactics definitely i think they need to adjust some of the personnel let, let's hope now I, I i'm behind them let, let's see if they they can provide uh what the fans want let's hope so i think given given my record of this past week i'm not going to make any predictions so we'll leave on a positive <laughs> note let's just hope yeah. that we can still salvage something out of this. Anyway, that's that's been great, Tor. We really enjoyed that. Thank you so much again. Appreciate it. And I, I hope I hope I've provided like an interesting perspective from the away end. It's sometimes hard to kind of paint a picture just by using your words. But trust me, it was a great following, great support. And yeah, they got behind the team. And, you know, it was as good as, you know, like an away game I, I've experienced uh, in England, Thailand or, or wherever I've been around the world. I, I left buzzing you know you, you you know you know when you've had a good night that feeling in your body and and you know that's that's how I felt and 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 talking about it with you today you know I still got the same same vibe at the moment but but thanks Del thanks for having me as well I uh, always appreciate coming on and uh sharing my thoughts with you and thank you for coming on so speak soon that's been great thank you Toby thanks a lot Del take care We've had quite a lot of interviews on this podcast. And I listened to this on the train on the way to my Saturday game. And I was hoping the interview didn't end for a little while. It was superb. And I couldn't agree more with some of Toby's points. The way the national team set up, it's, it's a recipe for disaster. It's going nowhere. While you've got political battles between two big influential people, they've got real problems and they're not going to get solved, are they? It doesn't appear so. And they keep rumbling on, don't they? I mean, it's it's got to come to a head at some point. I think if we had a loss tonight, Mano would have gone. I think he said publicly, didn't he, that if we don't beat Singapore, you can sack me. Now, who knows what's going to happen from here? Anything could happen. But you'd like to think that for the good of the game, for the good of the national team, all this petty stuff in the background had just stopped. That's what needs to happen. And everybody needs to be singing from the same hymn sheet in order to take things forward. The backbiting, the Machiavellian drama going on behind the scenes isn't helping anyone, is it? It's it's ridiculous. You you've got Madame Pang I was petrified to say anything out of turn in case she don't get a presidential vote that means so much to her. There's the guy up in Buriram hoping that Mano fails so he's proved right. When you've got two massive egos involved, it's a massive problem. As you say, I think if they'd have lost tonight, Mano would have gone. And in a way, Mano was probably as silly making that sort of statement before the game as Madame Pam was with the bonuses before the China match. Do we know if the bonuses were on offer for this match as well? I'm not sure. It was noticeable, by the way, on the TV coverage tonight. She was she wasn't shown, was she? I didn't see her. 
Somebody posted a, a photograph on Twitter. I wasn't sure if it was from tonight's game where she was in the dugout, but maybe it was Singaporean coverage and they tend not to focus in on the same people that the, the Thai TV companies focus in on. Maybe he wondered who she was. Very likely. But going back to Toby's interview, you're absolutely spot on. He, he made some great points. And it was also good to get that perspective, wasn't it, from the, the away end. Most of the focus has been from the Thai fans. So that was good. And he, he seemed to really enjoy the experience as well. He did. And what a gent going going and missing the Thailand goal to get his good lady some water. Man after my own heart. And I think also he, he made some really good points, didn't he, about, you know, we talked about the infamous photograph and as he said in the interview, even though it's a still photograph, knowing what we do know, what went on before and what went on afterwards, and it, it does highlight a big problem, doesn't it, with, with Thai football? Oh, ridiculously so. I mean, you can see the players, they don't look up because they're embarrassed or they burst out laughing. Just going off that for a minute was the crowd trouble, which obviously didn't get that much coverage. I think there was a little a couple of little things leaked out later. But what did what did Toby call verbal handbags, which I think is a lovely expression. It's similar to what I've seen where you have the segregation at Patton Tarney before when I've been with Paul. There'll be a bit of shouting and gesturing and a, a couple of plastic things thrown and straight away the security moving and everyone weighs back at each other and realises how silly they've been. I don't think it was anything too serious. and I, I doubt there'll be any sanctions, will there? It wasn't Lansdowne Road. Hi, my name is Tim, and I'm listening to a Thai football podcast. On to tonight, Thailand have won, 3-1. A very impressive performance, I thought. There were a couple of wobbly bits when they let Singapore back in the game. But I think overall, 3-1 was a pretty fair reflection of the of the match. Well, I'll be honest, Dale. I thought I was watching England under Graham Taylor for 20, 30 minutes of that game. They fell apart. I can't understand what was happening. They were in complete control playing some lovely football and it was like somebody had just flicked a switch and they didn't want to know. And as for the players saying that they want Mano in charge, it's about time some of the defenders started to show it because they are a car crash waiting to happen. They do tend to shoot themselves in the foot, don't they? And do we not like that? The changing point to me, and I was Screaming at the telly on Thursday. I was saying to me, good lady who watched the game with me, they've got to get Tiracin on. And Tiracin changed it within seconds. The guy is utter class. He holds the ball up. He understands the game. And the best thing about it is the younger guys flourish from him. He set two goals up tonight. That I tell you now, that was heading for a 1-1 until he came on. There's no substitute for experience, is there? I mean, I, I used to see it happen at Chambry a lot with Turdsack. Very, very similar. The old head, the experienced pro, playing with a lot of younger lads. And they, they do respect him. They do look up to him. And he does bring that extra something, doesn't he, to the team. And you're right, he made all the difference tonight. And it was good to see. How long do you think he can keep going, though? That's that's the question. It is a problem. But while you've got him, you, you know your defence is poor. And there's good potential going forward. So you play to your strengths. Crikey, the China game was screaming out for him. You know, and two wide men just slinging in aimless balls at one forward in the middle. And China muscled them out with the tactics. I mean, Singapore didn't have that physical presence tonight. But all of a sudden, the ball was being played down the channels and clever interchanges instead of just those aimless slunging crosses. Let's be honest, Dale, me and you have played in teams that would have gobbled stuff like that up on Thursday night. I, I want 
to end on a positive because it's it has been a difficult week and we have gone to Singapore and we have won. But the very last kick of the game proved what I said in that interview with Toby about Thai players not wanting to take the responsibility. Why didn't he shoot? He's on a hat trick. <laughs> last breakaway of the game. He's only got the keeper to beat. You stick that in the bottom corner, don't you? Have a dig, have a dig. The amount of times I'm in a stadium or watching TV with Thai friends and they're all screaming at them to shoot and they never get up. They don't unleash, do they? I don't know. That that was baffling. But like I said, I want to end on a positive. So 3-1 win. Looks like Mano's position is safe for the time being at least. And let's hope that all the bickering in the background can just be stopped and we can concentrate on on the football. And that faint glimmer of a hope of qualifying is, is still there. The other glimmer is that South Korea have absolutely battered China tonight. So that means that if, if Thailand win in China, they're back on equal footing. Well, we'll leave the national team there. And it's a, a big welcome back to Rob's Roving Report. So do you want to introduce it yourself? Yeah, sure. So I was back at Seasaket United, but it was quite an important game. They went into the match top of the table against fourth place Udon United. Rob's Roving Report. Well, this afternoon I'm at Seasaket uh, United against Udon United as the top of the table side take on fourth in the table. We're only three points behind the leaders. It should be an intriguing game. Well, Dale, half-time, it's 0-0 here in Seasaket. I was about to tell you, uh, midway through the first half, what a good game it is for the purists. A real tactical battle, teams closing each other down, sticking to their plans. A lot at stake, after all, in this game. Well, then, the second half of the first half, I was reminded of a few things. They're not good enough. They really aren't good enough. Whether it be the coaches, players or officials. It turned into a horrible watch, niggly fouls, big mistakes. They'd probably be better off just going at it, hammer and song. Hard to know what to say, no chances. Neither keepers had a save to make. Nil nil half time, hope I get lucky in the half time draw. It does say something about the weather up these parts that I am wearing a jacket and jeans and I bought a scarf before the game. No solace on the pitch, but uh, the club shop made uh, the most out of my sale. Well, the quality hasn't massively improved um, as we reach the hour mark in this game. But there's been a couple of real incidents. Dammy in it, the inside of the post for Cesaket. Keeper beating all ends up. Well, then the away side have just had a massive shout for a penalty. The subs who were warming up on the track are going absolutely bereft with the linesman, and I don't blame them. It looked nailed on to me. He somehow gave a free kick to Cesaket. Still nil nil. <laughs> Well, the Cesaket players went up in arms. They thought it was a penalty. They thought it was handball by the Udon defender. Nothing happening. The referee probably right from my angle. The game opening up a little bit. We've gone from not very good but energetic to not very good and tiring. So there's more mistakes and more excitement. Still nil-nil. The wind's getting up, by the way. Well, it's still nil-nil, Dale. A glaring error at the back. The Cesaket player trying to over-elaborate when he's not good enough. Dammy and the Brazilian going spare with him, telling him to clear it. He's tried a fancy flick, nearly at the opponent's in. Still nil-nil. 
So it's ended here at CCK 0 0 0 0. Not an earthly of either team scoring. To be honest, if either side deserved a goal, it was the visitors. Not a lot in it. A real battle of attrition without the excitement of a wet pitch. Over 500 here, poor crowd. Probably down to the locals still doing the rice farming. Both these teams will feature towards the top of the table at the end of the season. Who'll get into the playoffs and who'll lift the divisional titles? Another question. So, nil nil here. See where that leaves everyone in a few weeks. Thanks for that, Rob. It's always good to get a roving report. I do enjoy them. Shame you didn't get any goals to report on, though. Well, I've just looked it up. They've had six home games and they've had three nil-nils. So by law of averages, the next game should have goals in it, shouldn't it? It should, but a bit like a team playing in an important cricket game on Sunday, I get the phrase flat-track bully when I watch CSK United. be very interesting to see who they draw in the FA Cup, by the way. I hope they get a good team in that because that will give a true evaluation. Hi, my name is Isaac and I'm listening to a Thai football podcast. On last week's podcast... I made some very positive comments about the situation at Police Terror. And as is always the case, within 24 hours, the rug was pulled from under my feet and a few things came to light that just absolutely left my predictions in tatters. They have no money. The players haven't been paid. They went on strike. They don't have anyone lined up as head coach. And it was looking a bit of a disaster zone, wasn't it? It was indeed, yeah. I mean, fortunately... It looks as though they're back in training. They've had some back pay paid to the players. But it's a shocking situation. As as I said, in I think it was the very first podcast, you know, you've got to be careful what you wish for with certain owners. He's still got to give them the benefit of the doubt. I'm treading very carefully here now with what I say. <laughs> I'm aware that I could leave myself open again. And I'd like to yeah. think that they will get their house in order and everything will be fine at Police Terror. If they're challenging for a top four spot by the end of the season, I'll be quite happy with that. Blimey, you're not asking for much there, are you? Money sorted out in the top four for Tero. They do have Red Sintovichai there as well. He's he's the man who was behind the, the players' union a few years ago. He was instrumental in trying to get that all set up. So if, if anybody can sort it, it's him. How did he do with the players' union getting set up out of uh, interest? Uh, I think it's still in the negotiation stage, Rob. <laughs> I say no more. It's it's all right us having a giggle about it. It's not funny for the players or the supporters. Oh, let's give them time. Let's see what transpires. It also looks as though Rayong have got similar problems in T2. Players haven't been paid and they've stopped training. It does seem to be happening a lot more often, doesn't it? It does. And talking of players stopping training or not putting in full effort, what on earth is going on in T3 at China United? I saw this. They played with nine players again, didn't they? I think this is the second time this season. Yeah, it happened in the um, the BCG Cup. They didn't have a full lineup. I looked at the uh, Thai League website and it looks as though they had a full team, but some of them didn't go on. There was two goalies involved. Yeah, it's, it's a strange situation, isn't it? Was it 14 14- they lost 14 nil at home against not a particularly great Ohin Marilena side. Just a bit of background on China United there is a stadium that I go to watch some amateur football at in the Bangkok Premier League called Airport Stadium. It's not near either airport, by the way, but it's 
It's on Hatairat Road. And China United set up an academy there. And it looks as though it's been bought out now and it's hired out to local teams. But I think their idea was to try and get good local Bangkok players and send them up to play in the T3. So whether that's had an effect, them selling that on, I'm not sure. It sounds like nobody wants to go to China. Well, I don't know. I've never been. I'm sure it's very nice. It's a lovely place to visit. There's not an awful lot going on there. I was once challenged by an ex-Thai Premier League footballer to find meat pies in China, and I failed. I'm not surprised. The defence can't find the forwards, so you're not going to find a meat pie. He did specify Holland's meat pies, but in the end, he, he said if you could find any meat pie, that'd count. So if any of our listeners are visiting China in the near future and you want to see if you can find meat pies there, please let us know if you have any success. You struggle for a Holland's outside East Lancashire. This is Clinton, and you're listening to a Thai football podcast. Just also on T3, which is quite concerning. Some of the teams, as we mentioned before, are participation sides like universities and what have you. So they're not too reliant on gate figures. But there were several attendances in double figures this last week. Now, some of the divisions are going to have a break after this weekend. So they're going to decide how they're going to carry on. How do they survive on double figure attendances and having to travel three or four hours for fixtures? It's tough, isn't it, for some clubs? I went to watch Konken Mordindang a couple of times when I was over recently, and they're based at the university. And they seem to have quite a good core support. There were a good two and a half, three hundred there for both games when I went. So they, they're probably one of the better run universities based sides but you're right it must be difficult for these these clubs to to exist and to compete what makes anybody want to set up two teams in the same province well i know what it is it's the same thing that's ruining the national team egos Egos are more danger to tie football than finances will ever be. I think you're right. Although, having said that, there's three teams in Conkent City. Yeah, it's not big enough, is it, really? Let's be honest. Have you been to Conkent recently? It's like LA now. LA? Yeah, it's eight-lane highways, high-rise buildings, all mod cons. Yeah, it is. It's a, a vibrant, large city now. Whether it can sustain three football league clubs, though, is another matter. And I think I'm with you on that. One, one team in Konken would, would certainly be challenging near the top of T1. Definitely. Same at Chiang Mai, as we've said before. Right. I think that's probably it for this week, Rob. So all the woes of the national team currently behind us, for the time being at least. We've got a full programme of fixtures to look forward to this weekend. Are you off anywhere? I'm afraid I won't be at football, Dale, but I'm covering some cricket in Chiang Mai. So anyone who's up that way, and I've noticed that Wang Tong are playing at Lampoo. If any Wang Tong fans are straying, looking for something to do on Saturday or Sunday, come to the Gymkhana Club in Chiang Mai. There's six-a-side cricket all weekend. Everyone's welcome. Well, good luck with that, Rob. Hope everything goes well. You've got a lot to live up to oh. following the world. Cup final on Sunday. It'll be cricket, played in a good spirit, plenty of friends and no egos. 